1: In times of universal deceit, truth is the only rebellion left. On today's show, the topic is ideologies versus religion. Are they the same thing, or is there a difference? And where does Christianity fall into this continuum, this scheme of thinking? I'm going to use an audio clip between Michael Knowles and a student in a Q&A recently that shines a light on the answer to this question and highlights why it matters. I'm Dr. Ever Piper, and this is The Rebellion. Good morning and welcome to the Rebellion. Thank you for listening to the show. As I said in the introduction, today I'd like to talk about the difference between an ideology and religion, and I'd like to do so within the context of Christianity. Where does Christianity fall on this continuum of ideologies and religious belief, religious faith, and religious practice? Is there overlap? Are these two very distinct and separate things? How do we respond when we are accused of being ideologues by those who disagree with our Christian faith or our conservative values? That's today's topic. And I'm going to use a video clip that uh, you obviously won't be able to see because you're listening to this via podcast and or radio, so you'll just hear the audio. But this is a clip from a YAF presentation that Michael Knowles just made. YAF, by the way, is Young Americans Foundation. I've spoken at YAF before. This is a foundation that was established back in the, I believe, 70s by William F. Buckley, Jr., and it's a very vibrant organization where college students from across the land are exposed to conservative thinkers, conservative speakers. Uh, Michael Knowles of the Daily Wire was recently presenting at a YAF event, and there was a Q&A afterwards. The, now, the young man asking, asking him a question is not angry or vitriolic. He Apparently, is pretty bright, but he asks a question, and Michael Knowles corrects this man's premise right from the very beginning, because Knowles rightly points out that I can't answer your question unless we define our terms. And what you're discussing right now, young man, is the difference between an ideology and a belief system, a religion, if you will. Um, there's a difference here. There's a difference between ideologies and other ways of thinking, other ways of formulating Your particular worldview. Now that isn't to say that Michael Knowles is without his ideologies and it isn't to say that you or I are without our own ideologies but when you have an ideology are you an ideologue and what's the overlap between that ideology and your faith your religion? Is there a difference between the two? And how does that affect how we interact with some of the main ideas of the time of the day? such as LGBTQIA, SJW, BLM, CRT, social-emotional learning, DEI, all of this alphabet soup philosophical, political, cultural debate that we're having today. Where, where does the concept of ideology fit into that? And where does the concept of reality, science, and faith fit into the same debate? That's today's show. So let's take a break, and when I get back, I'm going to start out with this audio clip of Michael Knowles responding to a question after he made a presentation at a YAF event recently here in the United States. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion. Let's take a break. I'll be right back in a couple minutes.
0: The Patriot Auto Group, locally owned and operated. The Patriot family of dealerships takes great pride in supporting the communities we serve throughout the great state of Oklahoma. The Patriot Auto Group's charitable work has been recognized throughout Oklahoma. Whether it's visiting one of our local dealerships or simply shopping and buying online with our doorstep delivery, the Patriot Auto Group takes the stress out of buying a new or used vehicle. And every purchase comes with our exclusive peace of mind, Patriot Pledge. You get engines for life, plus one year maintenance and 10 full years of roadside assistance, plus so much more. Sure, we can sell you a car, but supporting our community and lending a hand to our neighbors in need? Sold. The Patriot
1: Auto Group. Proud Oklahomans in the communities we serve. Okay, so welcome back to the Rebellion. Like I said, I want you to listen to this give and take, this exchange between Michael Knowles, writer and speaker for The Daily Wire. If you don't follow Michael Knowles, you need to do so. If you don't follow The Daily Wire, you need to do so. Great source for truth from people who are Christians and people who are not. For example, Ben Shapiro is not a Christian. Ben Shapiro is an Orthodox Jew. Michael Knowles is Catholic. Uh, Matt Walsh is Catholic. You have various different speakers and writers for the Daily Wire that are evangelical, Orthodox, Catholic, and even conservative Jews. Uh, You have Jordan Peterson, Jordan Peterson, to my knowledge, has made no profession of Christian faith, but he's very sympathetic toward it. Jordan Peterson, the last I knew, is a Jungian. He subscribes to the worldview of Carl Jung, a great psychologist. Now, I disagree with Jordan Peterson on some of his Jungian views, but I do appreciate his sympathy to the Christian biblical worldview and the fact that he's willing to entertain a discussion about those those ideas. So, Likewise, Ben Shapiro, I disagree vehemently with Ben Shapiro and his denial of, of the deity of Jesus Christ. I mean, obviously, that's a key tenet of Christianity, the key tenet of Christianity. Jesus is the Son of God. He's the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Line of Judah, the Lamb of God. As an Orthodox Jew, Ben Shapiro would not agree with anything I just said. But he does agree with the biblical priorities identified in Scripture in terms of the way we should live with one another and the boundaries that God has given us to enjoy human freedom. And therefore, I enjoy listening to Ben Shapiro. Well, here we have Michael Knowles in a discussion with a young man. After Knowles made a presentation at YAF, he opened up the uh, microphone the, for Q&A. And this young man approaches him, not in a vitriolic way. I've got to give the guy kudos, this, this college-age student, kudos for being polite and not a and vitriolic. But he asks a question that exposes his ignorance, and Michael Knowles responds uh, gently but very clearly by correcting the young man's premise. So listen to this.
2: Hi. Um, So first, my question deals with your notion. In this speech, you talk about uh, transgenderism. Which you refer to as an ideology, but it's interesting because the American Medical Association, the American Academy of Pediatrics, they don't view it as that. Um, but do, do they not? No, they don't. They, they they specifically don't say transgenderism. They refer to gender identity disorder, which is the psychopathology. Oh, but I'm
0: not, I'm not talking about gender identity disorder. I'm talking about transgenderism, which is an ideology. I'm I'm not gonna. That's
2: not my question. So I'm not gonna get into that. I just but, wanted to correct but, your premise. But it's but it. But gender-affirming care is what you would uh, encompass in transgenderism, but gender-affirming
0: care is also towards the treatment. Gender-affirming care is when you tell a confused boy that he's really a boy, not a girl. Gender-denying care is what the ideologues are pushing forward now, which tells sexually confused boys that they need to chop off their genitals. Right. That's a big difference, though. That means the opposite of the, of the phrase that you're using. Anyways, the
2: question that I had was that you paint transgenderism as this consequence of feminism, Um, first off, not not like an actual question, would you consider like drag queens a consequence of transgenderism?
0: No, no, Uh, drag queens, transvestitism, all these kind of odd eccentricities have existed throughout all of human history, of course. There's no question about that. The ideology that a man really can become a woman and a woman really can become a man, and that men who identify as women are entitled to the public rights that women are entitled to, that is very different than a man in a back alley dressing up as as a woman for for uh, the giggles of of patrons at a cd bar or something like that and and that's uh, you know the fact that some eccentric people put on weird sort of performances uh that doesn't threaten to destroy all of society but the denial of sexual reality and the obliteration of women's private spaces and rights that That does threaten to to upend our entire culture.
1: Now, did you catch what Michael Knowles just did here? He made sure that the terms of the debate were well defined. This young man starts out by confusing the distinction between transgenderism and, and the pathology of gender dysphoria. And Michael Knowles gently stops the young man and says, well, wait a second, there's a difference here. We're not talking about the same thing. Gender dysphoria is a diagnosed disease. We've acknowledged this for decades, if not centuries, that there is a dysphoric disease endemic in some particular people, populations, individuals, where you're confused. You're legitimately psychologically and mentally confused. You don't understand the reality of your life, and you think you're something that you're not. That's a dysphoric position. That's a dysphoric disease. That is a mental illness. And that's one way to talk about this. Now, transgenderism is a completely different thing. It's an ideology. And what is the definition of an ideology? Well, an ideology is a set of opinions or beliefs of a group or an individual. Very often, ideology refers to a set of political beliefs or a set of ideas that characterize a particular culture. Examples of ideologies would be capitalism, communism, socialism, and Marxism. These are all ideologies. And what Michael Knowles is pointing out right now is transgenderism. The trans movement, the LGBTQ movement, is a political movement. It's not a biological fact. And he actually corrects the young man's assumption that gender-affirming care is the care that an ideologue would bring to the table. Michael Knowles says no. The ideologue would actually not affirm the real gender of the young boy in question here he would deny the real gender of the boy he would deny reality and he would encourage the young boy to do the same so the bottom line is michael knowles is correcting the assumptions with regard to ideology versus reality and he's also correcting the assumption of what affirming care really is if you're really going to affirm reality then you're going to tell your young boy if he thinks he's a girl that he's not and you're going to help him by getting him counsel and or medical care that helps him understand what reality really is. You're not going to affirm his denial of reality. You're going to affirm who he really is rather than aid and abet him and enable him to deny the facts before his very eyes. Do you understand what Michael Knowles is doing here? He's confronting the ideology of the young man who is asking the question, who, ironically enough, is criticizing Michael Knowles for being an ideologue. This is the tactic of the left. I've pointed it out time and time again. The left will tell you that they believe in tolerance while they tell you that they can't tolerate your intolerance. They'll tell you that they stand for love while they say that they they just hate those hateful people. They'll say that they believe that you can't believe anything because everything is relative. And when they say everything is relative, you ought to ask them, well, is that statement that everything is relative relative? If it is, then... It's so relative that it was a waste of your breath. Do you get my point? I've said it a thousand times over on this show. They say they can't tolerate your intolerance. They hate those hateful people. They're sure that nothing is sure. They're absolutely confident there are no absolutes, and they know that nothing can be known. This is the, this is the brokenness of the progressive mind. I don't think they do this with the intent of intentionally lying to you or themselves, but the bottom line is they are because they don't believe in tolerance, because they can't tolerate you. They don't believe in love because they say they hate those hateful people. That makes them hateful. They can't legitimately say that they're sure that nothing is sure, because that's a self-refuting claim. And they can't say they know that nothing can be known. Likewise, that's sawing off the branch upon which they sit. It's the dog chasing its tail metaphor that I've used before. And we chuckle at it because they get caught in their, their web of deceit but it's really rather sad because when you listen to this young man, you know, he had his facts. He wanted to start popping off on what the American Medical Association and the American Psychiatric Association say about these things. And Michael Knowles stopped him and said, well, wait a second. Let's talk about, let's talk about the terms you're using. Are we talking about gender dysphoria or are we talking about transgenderism? Because those are two different things, young man. Gender dysphoria, yeah, we need to deal with that as a medical condition as a disease, like we always have, because it's a denial of reality. Somebody is really screwed up. They're really screwed up in mind and or body, and they need help. They need help. They don't need to be affirmed in their denial because that basically enables them to do some very drastic things in their lives, like chop off their genitalia. That's what Michael Knowles just said. If you want to really affirm somebody's gender, then affirm reality. Don't aid and abet them in denying reality. And when you aid and abet them in that denial, you have become an ideologue yourself. You're now aiding and abetting in a political view rather than one that's grounded in science and facts. That's the point here. Well, how does this all compare to Christianity? Well, is Christianity an ideology or is it a religion of facts? Christians, because we believe in Defending the faith that lies within, because we believe in the historicity of the resurrection, of the life, death, and resurrection of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, it's not just an ideology. Christians rightly argue that our faith is not just blind, that it's faith that's grounded in history, reason, experience, and scripture. What did I just cite? It's what I cite all the time on the show. The worldview sh- through which you should look at life. The four eyes, if you will. The four things. When I say four eyes, I'm obviously, it's a double entendre referring to glasses. You look through glasses so that you can see more clearly. Well, I want you to put on your four eyes here, and I want you to look through history, reason, experience, and scripture. That's the worldview of Christianity. History is going back and investigating the facts. What is the historicity of the Christian faith? What has, what has been proven historically valid? Well, the scriptures tell us that we had well over 500 people that saw Jesus alive after he died from the crucifixion. Now, you may say that that was just a fairy tale, that that was made up, but if you go back and actually read the facts, read the writings of those people that witnessed Jesus alive and well after the death and burial, After after the crucifixion, you saw Jesus Christ alive among them. When you read those things, you have to decide whether or not they gave their lives, whether they allowed themselves to be crucified, burned alive, torn asunder by lions and tigers and bears in the Colosseum, put on um, pikes, impaled on pikes and lit as candles to illuminate the streets of Rome. Why would people have allowed themselves to be persecuted and tortured in such a way if they knew that this was a lie. You need to ask yourself that question. This is what Chuck Colson has said time and time again in his Apologetic, that as a man who went through Watergate, and he watched how quickly the rats jumped off the ship once they were caught in their own lives, how quickly they pivoted to save their own skin. He concluded that there is no way all of these Christians would have allowed themselves to be killed, tortured, Executed, crucified, impaled, sawn asunder, torn asunder. There's no way these Christians would allowed them would have allowed themselves to endure this type, this type of uh, abuse, if they knew that what they were saying and what they were believing or what they were propagating was just a fairy tale and a lie. So Christianity is grounded in the trust that we have in the historical record, and then we have the fact that. We have um, rational brains. We, we have reason, and we know that we know things. We're sure that some things are sure. We're, we're confident in our confidence. Now, do we see through a glass darkly? Yes. But, for example, we know that there's a moral right and a moral wrong. We believe in the what C.S. Lewis in Mere Christianity calls the Tao, the T-A-O, the universal truth, the, the absolute standard, the measuring rod outside of all those things being measured. That's what C.S. Lewis called God's natural law, his common revelation to mankind. That we do know what's right and wrong. We know it's wrong to steal. We know it's wrong to rape. We know it's wrong to, to murder. We know these things. As human beings, we know what's right and wrong, basically. We can have disagreements, but what society actually elevates... Rape is a moral good. And if we stumbled across that society, everybody else in the world would say, that's a bad society. Something went desperately wrong with them, right? Uh, is anybody listening to me right now willing to step forward and say, well, uh, you know, the prohibition against rape is just, that's moral. That's morally relative. Some cultures engage in rape, and that's okay, because que sera, sera. Whatever works for them is okay for them. Really, are we going to go there? Are you going to justify the killing fields of Pol Pot and say, well, you know, Everything's relative, and uh, I guess it was Pol Pot's opinion that he could kill millions of people just because he considered them to be politically uh, inconvenient. Or how about Hitler? Well, the Holocaust, yeah, we agree it happened, but, you know, whatever works for them. Doesn't matter what you believe as long as it works for the Germans, right? No, we're not going to go there. We know intuitively that that is wrong, that's evil. The Holocaust was bad, antebellum slavery was not a good deal, and treating women poorly... Um, by using them as sexual chattel is not right. Okay, so we agree on those things. Why? Because we have that true north written on every human heart. The Apostle Paul calls it: the truth of God is written on every human heart. But because we start worshiping the created rather than the Creator, we start we we start uh, we, we, we stop uh, thinking clearly. We are given over to a reprobate mind a debauched mind, a depraved mind. We can't think our way out of a paper bag any longer. So, is Christianity an ideology, or is it something different? Well, we do hold terrestrial. I mean, that's one of the words that's used in the definition of ideology. When you Google what's the difference between religion and ideology, it says that uh, religion essentially is concerned with eternal things, heavenly things, and... Um, and ideologies are concerned with terrestrial things, earthly things, our material well-being here on earth. Uh, okay, I get it. I get why they're drawing that distinction. But Christianity is concerned with both. Yes, we are concerned with our relationship with eternity an eternal God. Yes, we are concerned about heaven and hell issues. Yes, we consider that debate that debate to be worthy and real. But we don't wash our hands of the political world of the terrestrial reality in which we live. We don't wash our hands of our brother's need. We don't wash our hands of poverty. We don't wash our hands of justice. We don't wash our hands of reality. We, we don't just walk away and say it doesn't matter. No, we're called to engage in the market square of ideas. Chuck Colson referred to William Wilberforce over and over again in his writing. He said Wilberforce was a hero of the faith. Why? Because he brought eternal truths to the temporal reality of Great Britain at the time, and that reality involved the slave trade. And Wilberforce said, no, it's wrong. He he just didn't walk away and say, well, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what we do here on earth because all Christians are concerned with is eternity. No, that wasn't the case at all. Wilberforce fought for the... Abolition of the slave trade. And he did so for over 20 years on the floor of the British Parliament. And he, by God's grace, won. The slave trade in Great Britain was abolished. It was made illegal because of Wilberforce and his Christianity. Look at Abraham Kuyper, uh, Prime Minister of the Netherlands. Likewise, he made the iconic, the famous statement that we are obligated to reclaim every inch of creation for Christ and his kingdom. So again, Christianity... Is not just the ethereal. It's not just the other word worldly. It's not just about heaven and hell. No, Christianity is about earth also. It's about how we live with one another and ultimately how we uh, respect one another and grant each other greater liberty and greater freedom by guarding each other from our own individual sins as well as the sins that we commit against others. Does that make sense? So is Christianity an ideology, or is it a religion? Well, it's both. Now, it's interesting that it's also a true religion. Now, some of you may be getting uncomfortable right now. Well, who says? Who says that Christianity is true and other religions are false? Well, Christianity is the only religion that has a risen Savior. And we believe, Christians believe, that when somebody says that I'm going to rise from the dead on the third day, And when somebody says, I am the great I am, and when somebody says, I am the law, when somebody says that he is God, which Jesus did repeatedly, and when his followers write that down and say, we want to remind you that this man that we follow and that we now worship as the second person of the triune God, he told us that he was the great I am. He told us that he was equivalent to God. He told us that he was the word made flesh and dwelling among us. He told us that he was the incarnation of the, of the law of God. He told us all of these things, and he proved it by sacrificing himself on a cross and then rising again on the third day. And we're here to tell you, not only by our writing, but by our lives, that we believe. We believe. Not just because you know it's wishful thinking. Not just because we want to go to heaven. Not just because we want to avoid hell. No, we believe because this is real. It's as real as the nose on our face. We've touched him. We've heard him. We've walked with him. And we've done all three of those things. Touched him, heard him, and walked with him, and ate with him after he rose from the dead. And guys who rise from the dead, we tend to believe That's the basic fact of Christianity. Now, you can discount it if you're listening to me and say you don't see the evidence, you don't see the proof. Well, I challenge you. Go to the Gospels and read them. Read the Gospels. It's not just an ideology. This isn't just ideologues arguing for a political overthrow. In fact, it was the exact opposite. Oh, people weren't told to wash their hands of politics, wash their hands of the world. No, they were told to go out and preach the Gospel, the good news, that you can be free, free on earth, and free in eternity, because you're free in Christ. Preach the good news that Jesus is the only way, the truth, and the life, and that no one comes to the Father but by him. Preach the good news of the resurrection, that everybody is an eternal being, as C.S. Lewis tells us. There's no such thing as a temporal human being. Every creature that has the label, that carries the label human being, is an eternal creature. And every creature at this very moment, every human being, is advancing step-by-step step, either toward the eternity and beauty and freedom that comes with heaven or the opposite direction, more and more, more and more bondage, more and more slavery, more and more oppression, and more and more brokenness that comes from denying who we are, that we're made in the image of God, we're the Imago Day. Like I've said a thousand times, you're the Imago Dei. You're made in the image of God. You've got the thumbprint of God's cognition, his thoughts on your heart, mind, and soul. That's why you can even listen to me right now and care two hoots about what I'm saying. Because your dog, if he's listening right now, doesn't care what I just said, does he? Doesn't understand it, doesn't care, doesn't want to debate it, doesn't want to understand or digest it in any way, intellectually or cognitively. Your cow, your horse, doesn't care. You do. You either agree or disagree with me, and there's a reason, because you have the thumbprint of God stamped on your heart, mind, and soul. You're the Imago Dei. You're made in the image of God. And that's the ultimate complement to humanity. Christianity isn't just an ideology that seeks to gain power and control through communism, capitalism, socialism, Marxism. No, that's that's not the sum total of Christianity. Now, Christianity is not disengaged from the economic discussion or the discussion of justice, but it does so on the basis of what's true and right and real and beautiful and good. Okay, so the moral of today's show is when you're debating somebody, do so patiently. Don't yell. Michael Knowles did not yell. Uh, Respect the fact that if somebody brings a question to the table, if they do so respectfully, uh, try to listen as best you can, but don't hesitate to correct misconceptions. For example, if they aren't defining their terms properly, like the difference between gender dysphoria and the political ideology of transgenderism. If they're not defining their terms properly, for example, like gender affirmation. If you're affirming somebody's gender, then you should be affirming reality, not denying it. Or aiding and abetting and enabling them to go down a false path where they actually mutilate their bodies as a result of you affirming them. That makes no sense, does it? Michael Knowles is pointing that out. But at the end of the day, recognize the difference between an ideology, which is really just a temporal political agenda, and your faith, your Christian worldview, which is comprehensive, deals with everything, both the here and now and the eternal. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion.